What's going on, everybody? For Random Roomies and Movies, number 69, we are coming at you, and we have a whole laundry list of movies and shows that we've watched over the last two weeks. We had some technical difficulties last week, and I even shredded the whole uh, profile of videos that we had up. I really thought we lost the three that we recorded here on Anchor, but uh, thankfully I was able to salvage them and put them back up. So if you were looking for the videos this past week and they weren't up, they are back, or the podcasts, I should say, since we do audio only anymore. Uh, but into 69, we have finally finished Twin Peaks, The Return, with episodes 17 and 18. Uh, we went and watched the house with a clock in the walls. Uh, we saw Mandy, Flower, I, Tanya. I finally did. Luke had seen it last year. And then Thelma as long, also uh, Hold the Dark that was on Netflix. So, did you get everything watched this week, Luke? Yeah, and a little bit more. So every now and then yeah. I watch some stuff outside that. Oh, did you get White Boy Rick watched? No, I didn't get anything theatrically watched because I'm bad at planning. Let's say that's uh... – <laughs> so uh, it was last last weekend, right, the house, the clock, and the wall open? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, check showtimes. Thursday was my day off. I was like, cool. I can go see house, the clock, and the wall, white boy Rick, and um, we had Assassination Nation, which I wanted to see too. I was like – perfect all lines up about a half hour before i had to leave for the show i just was double checking i realized it's thursday my my fucking free movies don't re-up until tomorrow and i don't have any <laughs> openings <laughs> uh well you, at least you're able to use your uh, card because movie pass been a real bitch this last week yeah. i'm fairly so, certain it's just gone under now and it just hasn't told anybody but oh well i saw I saw another thing today that they're re-upping people who have canceled already, so it's still around. That's they're surprising. Shut- uh, what's really funny about that is, uh, so I had to pay for a house clock on the wall, um, but I was paying for it, and then a lady had had to pay for her movie earlier that day, and the theater lady knew that I had movie pass, and she stopped me and talked, and it was like, I guess she canceled it. Like, she has actually been paying for it monthly. And um, so they won't allow people to pay with PayPal anymore. But that's how mine is set up. So (laughs) even at the end of this year, I'm pretty sure I'm done because they won't accept PayPal anymore. But um, so they have the three movies and then you have to pay for the next or like you get a discount on the next ones. Mm hmm. So I've done that once, and I've not been billed for it because PayPal is set up on my account. (laughs) And I think I could just use that. So I'm trying to use that to see if that's the case, or I'll be billed for it at the end of the year or something like that. But uh, as far as I know, I've got the keys keys to the castle if I could even if I could just use it. So. Just do it. They're 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 terrible and screwed everybody over. Why don't you too? So, I'm I'm really trying, but it seems like I can only use it on e at e ticketing places now. So, I'm hmm. sure they're they're under. 
So, over so. the last two weeks, was there anything fun in the news that you wanted to discuss? No, I've I've been so away, far away from like film Twitter and what's going on there, and just following like politics. So, I haven't really seen anything. That's fair. I've got a couple that you sent me over text messages, which I'm sure we were just bullshitting about. Um, but Hulu picks up Veronica Mars. Uh, I know you were excited just because you know that I hate Hulu and they're dragging me back any way they can. All you gotta do is just pay for the premium Hulu. You don't get commercials. That's nonsense. You say you get some commercials. I don't get any commercials. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, yeah, but there's nothing Castle... I want to watch now. Did Castle Rock have commercials when we were watching that? Uh, yeah, it had a shit ton of commercials. Oh, yeah, mine didn't, so I guess yeah. I had that going. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure they had like three commercial breaks, like a minute and a half each one. Oh, did was there was there commercials for the movies that we watched on there? Um, I think there were only a couple of them, but oh, man. I no, nah, it was mostly just the generic like Chevy and bullshit commercials. So. That said, um, we won't talk about it until later, like episodes down the line, but. You did watch the miniseries. How many did that have over its three-hour run? I definitely didn't watch that. Oh, you son of a bitch. You literally even asked me. I know. I'm just going to have to up it for it. (laughs) Because I I was going to ask you, so there's a two-part miniseries, but there's there's a movie as well before the series. Is that technically part of the miniseries as well? No, no. Just those two episodes for the mini. And I mean, like, I'll have to look again, but because, like, I've been planning on that's one of the shows we're going to watch, and, like, Hulu's the only one that has the mini. Like, yeah. everyone else has, like, I think Prime well, and Netflix both have the entire show. Sci-fi? Yeah. If it played on sci fi, there's a chance that it could be on the sci fi app. I'll, I'll look after uh, we get done recording tonight. Maybe that's the way I can watch it. So, um, also, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie seems to be getting some, picking up a little bit of steam. Well, it's recording. I know I I joked with you about seeing his awful makeup, and I really still kind of think it looks awful, but I'm kind of getting more excited about a Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Yeah, I'm not completely hating it. Again, like, I think it's the same with, like, you know, I remember when they revealed what Ledger looked like, and everyone lost their mind about how terrible it was, and Ledger's awful, and... And then when you actually see something, there's much more to the character than just how he looks. Like, it's how he talks and yeah. moves. and So I haven't seen it in motion before I completely read it off. But I'm just really weirded out that fucking Todd Phillips is directing that. That's so weird. What's Todd Phillips done? The Hangover movies. <laughs> awesome. I don't know that, but that kind of just blows my mind. I hope it's just a hangover. It just goofing off the entire goddamn thing. Just Zach Galifianakis is playing Batman. <laughs> I'd fucking lose my shit. That'd be the best. <laughs> um, we also see uh, Deadpool might be getting a Christmas movie. I don't know what the hell that is about. Oh, it looks like they're re-releasing either the first or the second movie in theaters oh, with a PG-13 okay. cut. 
for Christmas. Which makes no sense. Those movies made like over three hundred million. They're tapped. Like thirteen year olds saw that fucking movie. <laughs> um, but what's, what, what's crazy though is that? like, what's that? Oh, the weird part is like they pushed back Battle Angel and put Deadpool there, and then that also caused Dark Phoenix to get pushed again right after they released the trailer. The day so after they released the trailer, when's Dark pushed. Phoenix coming out then? Uh, summer. It it moved okay. from Valentine's Day to summer. Because I was rereading that, that one you sent me, and I was like, if they push that to Valentine's Day, I thought Dark Phoenix was set for that. And I was like, that makes sense now. But, yeah, so they pushed yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> seems like they're just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell, it's probably they're still working on effects after the reshoots for Phoenix, yeah. and they needed more time, but... I, did you watch? You don't watch trailers. I don't watch trailers. Yeah, it's cool. How, it looks like they're doing the exact same Phoenix storyline <laughs> from X Three. <laughs> um, I so I follow a few people that like love the Phoenix series or the saga, and it like they were saying the exact same thing, and they're like they just want to get to the Phoenix so hard that they don't want to develop the character to make it worth a damn. So. Plus, plus, it looks there's one shot in the trailer where it looks like you're trying to use makeup to make Sophie Turner look like she's thirty, and it's so bad. <laughs> uh, I think there doesn't the uh, poster have bald Sophie Turner. Uh, I doubt it. But like flame hair. Oh, I don't fucking know. Who knows? Who cares? It's flame. <laughs> Really not me at all. Uh, and then, uh, what was that? I said it's gonna be bad. So who cares? Oh yeah, it's gonna be really, really tremendously awful. But uh, the last bit is with Venom looming. This la- end of the week, it finally comes out, and uh, Tom Hardy announced that they cut his favorite forty minutes out of that movie. <laughs> How is there forty minutes to cut out of that movie? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, I like that. I am. I, I just feel like they were like they're just sitting with him watching the the unedited version, and they're like they're just taking notes of everything he likes. And they're just like, yeah, trash all that stuff because Tom Hardy doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, <laughs> what he is like, um, uh. Um, uh, uh, the film critic on Uproxx, Matt Ryan, did an interview with the director today, and he he's seen the movie, so he's talking about you know making it, and he he he's kind of like it's kind of a weird movie, and the director's like, yeah, you know, it's different Marvel stuff, da 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 da, and eventually he reaches a point where he's just like, I mean, don't take it the wrong way. He's like, it seems like everyone's in a super serious, dark superhero, gritty superhero movie, except Tom Hardy, who looks like he's in a comedy <laughs> film. That's exactly and the what director's I like, from the trailer. <laughs> and the director's like, yeah, that's about right. He's like, <laughs> he's like, sure, yeah. And Matt Ryan is like, no, like, there's a part where Tom Hardy just jumps in a lobster tank and starts eating lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, yeah, Tom Hardy improvised that. You know, just Tom does stuff, you know. <laughs> nice. Now I'm fucking excited for Venom. So I'm really curious about what these great 40 minutes could have been if he's improv jumping in a lobster tank. 
they actually cut everything they wrote and just left in all his improvisation. (laughs) It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a shit show. Yeah, so... um, Let's get into it. Let's start with Twin Peaks and let's do a final (sighs) wrap-up. Yeah, Twin Peaks. Over. Episode 17 and 18, what do you like? What, what What are your thoughts? There's a lot of thoughts that I probably had two weeks ago, and I'm a little <laughs> effervescent in the room right now. Um, it, I, how do I want to say it? There's some weird stuff in there. Um, the whole, like, rubber glove man versus Bob ball was really weird. As, like, defeat this great evil, evil you know, he's just punching this big ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a little odd. I don't think that worked. Um, and then I think, I don't know. I'm kind of ambivalent about that last episode still because it's it's a very quiet, reflective episode. It seems like they kind of rush to wrap stuff up at 18 and then to do this like weird epilogue at 19. Uh, 17, 18. Yeah, yeah. Or 17, 18, sorry. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, it also, I kind of, after two weeks, I kind of really love that last episode. Because it's... Well, like, it, I love... It kind of just um, really takes in David Lynch's fucking storytelling where it's like, it's all about the journey and not about the destination because we waited for Dale Cooper to come back and now he's kicking ass again and like it's just such a lackluster kind of fight. He gets shot and goes down after being such a fucking badass and arm wrestling and all his other shit and then Bob's ball pops out to fight uh, fucking... So it's such a strange ending but the journey we've crossed for these three seasons has been so fucking that yeah. just taking I mean, that last hour to just just relax and live with these characters for a little bit longer. Well, because, like, I'm not even sure they did. Like, that last episode's weird because, like, that's not Cooper. Like, obviously there's something wrong with him. You know, it's this weird... It's almost like him and Bad Coop combined as opposed yeah. to, like, the Cooper we know. There's some... But, um... I think, I think you know, once you let the show digest and sit with it, and I think there's a lot they're doing metatextually with this season. Um, you know, I don't think it was called The Return by Accident. I think, uh, you know, we spent this whole season, every character was kind of returning to the point that we wanted them to be. But then I think with that last episode, Lynch is kind of like, there is no returning. There is no saving Laura. You know, the world is full of violence and we can never get about it. It's like, it's, it's about the never ending cycle of violence that we live with in the world. I think. Yeah. yeah. That, that pretty, pretty well, uh, encapsulates it. Um, I also crazy. love, did you look at any theories that like any like fan theories out there? No. So I saw one, and it's really been sticking with me, how they thought that Dale, this uh, season three all took place within the Black Lodge, 
and like Dale never really got out. And like it's a uh, almost Matrix situation where he keeps going over and over and over in like this feedback loop, uh, trying to get everything right, but he just can't uh, capitalize. So then when the last episode happens, it's like he gets it. He gets everything right, except now other uh, variables are changed that he's always uh, duped. And which was so crazy about that is because it was in episode 17 where you see him talking over what's happening at the sheriff's station and like uh, the eyeless lady becomes Diane but like her hair is red like the drapes at the Black Lodge and her fingernails are black and white um, like the chevron pattern on the floor and like there's all these contextual clues that he never really left and he could be the dreamer and all this cool shit so I don't know that's the thing with like Lynch though I don't think <laughs> story is always prevalent in his mind I think he does a lot in dream logic and so stuff doesn't always have to connect. It's more about emotional feeling that he gets to. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to pick up on that a lot more. <laughs> it's only taken you how many Lynch things now? Yeah, yeah. That's the wild thing is that, like, having all this to digest at this point, like, I really love his storytelling, even though it feels like I just... I'm clawing at scraps trying to figure out anything about it, but I just know that I like it. So it's Yeah, really which, speaking of, you should go get his book, because I'm reading it right now, and it's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's called Room to Dream, and it's, super, it's a super interesting biography, kind of, because, like, um, there's a, the author, right? So the author is, like, writing a biography, you know, like, Here's where David Lynch went to high school. This was high school life was like. Here's what happened after high school when he went to art school, and here's what happened now that he started making uh, Eraserhead, his first movie, and then into Blue Velvet and Dune and stuff. But at the end of every chapter, after she writes it, then David Lynch writes the chap like his his views over what they just talked about in that chapter. So you know it'll be like, you know his. You know, like the the biography, we get quotes from people and stuff talking about this. And Lynch is like, "Yeah, that happened, and this also <laughs> happened. And I didn't see it that way." And but like the way he writes is so movies and stuff because like he'll just be like, and "Then we're out playing, and a naked woman walked out of the woods, and it scared me and my brother." And it just moves on to another topic. Just explain like what happened, where it came from. <laughs> Oh, God oh. Damn it. and you also find out that just like David Lynch is a babe magnet. Like he had like three <laughs> divorces because he was like having affairs with all these people, and just everyone was in love with him. And makes sense. Makes sense. But it's great. It's like six hundred pages, and I'm only like two hundred in right now, and it's really oh. good. Oh yeah, I'll check it out. Oh, I love that man. He's great. Well, the good thing is we got a little bit of his work left to go through. Oh, yeah. We have uh, we have Dune, obviously. We can get to that. Um, we have Mulholland Drive, Eraserhead, Lost Highways, and Inland Empire. 
I believe it will have been through Lynch's filmography at that point. Hell yeah. I'm down for it and all. Then, like, I, I gave you the warning. Once once we get through Lynch, we're going into Cronenberg. So, be ready. Let's party. <laughs> so, uh, moving from this one to probably the the other weirdest one we watched is... Is it Mandy? No. That was definitely weird. That's just... We'll get to that. But I guess I want to tie in with uh, Kyle McLaughlin and the house with the clock in the walls. Oh, yeah. I You know, you almost forget he's in it because they hide, hide him under so much prosthetic work. I was so disappointed. I was like, I'm just so ready for Coop to be here. And it's just the guy from, um, oh, what's that? Nothing but trouble. That's the one. Yep. <laughs> the judge, Dan Aykroyd's character with the nose that comes off. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're on the same wavelength. Oh so God. If anyone, if anyone doesn't give that reference, go watch that. Cause that movie is fucking horrendous. <laughs> I can only hope. I can only uh, realize that it held up so well after all these years. <laughs> it didn't hold up then. <laughs> oh, God. Come on, the wiener train? The fucking the, the roller coaster that eats people and spits out their bones? <laughs> the twins? The oh, twins? Man. His fucking penis nose? Oh, God, it's so gross. <laughs> uh, so what's your um i think there's stuff that's in there that's interesting um and then some of it how do i want to say this i was interested when i went in because i was like this could be a good fit for eli roth because like he kind of has that immature you know bro humor in a lot of his movies and like he could adapt that well to children i thought but then it did just become poop jokes and i was like oh no it's still not good um, but I don't know. There's stuff I like about it, but I just don't feel a connection to it. I guess it didn't yeah. grab me in any way. Yeah, there's there's some very interesting things that kind of work, but it kind of just like nothing really got polished out, and they just kind of was like, "Well, this is what we got, so let's just shoot what we got and see if it comes." And what's crazy is like there's stuff in there that like I was really into, like. I liked that they were like subtly hinting, you know, that like, um, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. The, the lady, lady. Uh, hello. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my, yes. Oh my God. Clay, Be- Kate Blanchett. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, that's- uh, that her family basically was killed by the Nazis for being Jewish, but then they kept coming back to it and explaining. You know, like, it was kind of cool when it was in the background and kind of they let it sit, but they kept coming back to it and beating you over the head with it. The the fucking clocks and the mannequin shit, like, all (laughs) it was just the right amount, but a little bit more would have been way too much. But, um, yeah, I, I, for the most part, I like the movie. I think if you got kids definitely take it to it. I think it's just a fun little movie to enjoy the weekend with, but like there's some really real moments that are like, ooh, 
I don't know. Like you said, they're pretty jokes, and it's like, <sighs> I feel like it they... could be a, a slightly more sophisticated, but it's like, I mean. But, like, at that point, there's, like, there is three of the same poop jokes, and then there's, like, I think three times of Jack Black just being like, that's creepy to mannequins. Like, it's, it's, it's in that weird, like, family guy thing where, like, they want you to laugh and then hate it and then keep doing it till you laugh, but they don't stretch it out long enough, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Plus, guess what? I guess, you know, like, that kid deserved it because he was practicing necromancy just while willing (laughs) his friend. Uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, man, that Which, kid was set up, too. He could eat cookies at any time of the day, didn't have any speaking, cookies or anything, just one, one rule. What was, uh, no necromancy, that's the one rule, don't raise the dead. <laughs> um, what was that fucking kid's, like, that he wanted to be friends with? What, where did I see him in something else before? He just has that kind of, like, punchable phase. I feel it was something recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't tell you off the top of my head. God damn it. What do I keep you around for? I want to say it, but I know it's not it. No, he wasn't in it. Frick. That's going to annoy me. Yeah. But yeah, what you a little bastard. <laughs> Yeah, fucking just befriending the weird kids so he could win student council. Fucking lame. What a nerd. <laughs> and then he's like, I won't be your friend until you practice necromancy. And then he's like, I'll beat you up because I was scared. It's really <laughs> Oh, kid shit. Yeah, it's a kid's movie, though. I assume some people probably have some, like, reverence towards it because they read the book growing up, but, like, that was not something I was ever into. Yeah, I didn't know it was a book until you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how cultured I am. T- well, speaking t- of cultured, that will take us into the next one. How, well, let's talk about uh, Hold the Dark. And uh, the goddamn werewolf shit. I'm glad you put that into my head because it made the movie so much more interesting. <laughs> Well, good. Good. So, a little setup for everybody listening is uh, Luke watches this movie on Netflix, and it's got Bernie from um, Westworld. And he knew, knows that I like Bernie, so he told me about it. And then out of the blue, asked me about uh, werewolf lore, about women putting on wolf boots and becoming uh, werewolves. And that was the first time I've ever heard it. He called me an uncultured swine. And uh, we went to the Twitter for a poll. And uh, he ended up winning that there have been more people that heard that myth and lore that hadn't heard it. But I still feel all right with 35 people voting. um, Only, I don't know, probably 15 of them had never heard that. So I'm not doing too bad. But there was some cool shit. Um, There was, like, Roman elite soldiers that returned from war that would embrace the feral side, and, like, that's some lore about werewolves. And then there was this great story from Croatia about a lady wolf 
uh, removing her wolf pelt and sleeping next to the fire and, like, a guy coming up and taking the pelt and, like, hiding it from her and, like, them growing old, growing older, having a kid and whatnot. And, like, the kid finds the pelt, gives it to the mom, and she's like, thank you for uh, freeing me and, like, just takes off and is never seen from again. So that was pretty wicked. Yes. Well, it was a thing, and I was proven right. So fuck you. <laughs> so on Netflix, uh, uh, but it no, seems I'm, like uh, they're hitting it out of the park with a few different releases. So you liked it then, if you're saying you're hitting yeah. it out? Yeah, I really liked it. It was. Uh, it's directed by Jeremy Solinger, the guy who did Green Room. So that's why it was on my radar, and I knew how to get in or wanted to see it because I. I'm pretty sure that was on my list last year or the year before, whatever it came out. Like, I really like Green Room, and I, I think he's a great director, so oh. I knew to get in on that. Yeah, What's with- for some reason, uh, Green Room sticks with me because I thought that was an Eli Roth one. And, uh, oh, that's, a- that's the Green Inferno. There, there we go. Yeah, that's why I remembered it being on your list last year when you just mentioned that. So, But... Uh, yeah, I was trying to um, – anyway, the talk of, like, wolf pelts and – because, you know, like, the whole werewolf myth, right, is just, like, people who are separated from their humanity. You know, that's the whole underlying concept. And I feel that's kind of what this film's doing. It's about man, you know, at the end of, end of nowhere and kind of resorting – you know, losing their humanity – and it's the story of the two people, excuse me, in Skarsgård and the woman who embrace that and go fully feral versus uh, Jeffrey Wright's character who's right there, but by the end comes back. You know, he rejects that and comes back to humanity. Um, but I was trying to figure out uh, why they let him live at the end. And I realized, you know, like he was wearing their boots. You know, he was wearing Skarsgård's boots. So maybe that was kind of you know he saw that in him as well the kind of communal yeah. thing him go um what what it occurred to me is i thought the uh, cop was right and uh they just wanted somebody to pass along the story yeah i agree that's why she called him up there um <laughs> i guess i'll throw this out there did you get the incestuous vibes uh, i didn't but i guess now Thinking about it, it seems like that whole little like village was amongst themselves. I guess. Well, I mean, you know, like there's a reason that Skarsgård and her are hiding out in the middle of nowhere in that village. You know, they she has the comment of they didn't meet; they were always together because they were in the womb together. They're twins. Um, there's that picture he finds where that. like it's uh it's um like them together and they're real young like a family picture oh, see i thought that was their kid and the other guy's daughter no it was them so i yeah i think they were brother and sister man and i think that was i think that was the darkness that the father was trying to cure him of with the wolf oil you know the what why he wasn't uh... right See, I was I was going through the whole thing thinking that they were just werewolves being brought up as humans, so like that didn't really click with me. So I'm glad. Yeah. 
not literal werewolves, but I think they were using that kind of that yeah, jumping yeah. off point of the myth. Um, no, I'd, I'd like it. It's, it's very different though. You know, it's very slow and takes its time and, yeah, yeah, um, sure. but um, it's very well shot and act, you know, like it has a great Jeffrey Wright performance, which is better than most movies. So that's a plus. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it played so slow and so well. Um, I was intrigued by the whole damn thing. It, it's it's these ambiguous kind of things that like there's so much left unanswered, but it's not really necessary. Like the wolves but, taking off after them and like them undi- undigging their son. Like there's, there's like there's plenty of it's all, it. It is slow and it's thoughtful and it's ambiguous, but it also has like a 15 minute gunfight in the middle of it. So. <laughs> Yeah, so are you going to go check out Green Room sometime now that you've seen some of this guy's work? What is Green Room about? Green Room is about a punk rock band who is playing a bar that um, uh, is uh, it's like owned by neo-Nazis. And they're trapped in the Green Room and the Nazis are trying to get in to kill them. So kind of like Dusko Dunn? Kind of, but they're not monsters. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> and there's, you know, Cheech Marin's not there, um, but uh, it's got, uh, what's his name, Patrick Stewart's in it, Anton Yelchin's in it, Igman Poots, it's a really good cast, and it's, it's really good, it's, yeah. think of, like, kind of, like, the violence and stuff you get from this movie, but it's super claustrophobic, it's in this one kind of just bar setting, And also, since we're talking like Netflix and hitting out of the park or whatever, uh, what's weird to me is when Netflix kind of, it seems like they're using the same people over and over. I know they're not, you know, they, they buy the rights to these movies. It's not like they're making a lot of them. But to see Skarsgård in a movie where he plays this big hulking figure who's getting revenge just kind of reminds you of how bad Mute was. Uh, when you say bad, but I really like Mute still. In Come on, he's so much. Like it so much better. Oh yeah, he's so much better, better than this one. But it, to me, he played the same character for the most part. <laughs> and so much better here too, because like he doesn't talk much during the movie. You know, he's almost has but he's as, such a giant and mute. Whereas this one, they kind of brought him down where he was normal size for the most part. Well, there's that one shot though where he goes to see the the village witch woman and he stands yeah. up and, you know, just towers above her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's weird because you see that and then um, this week I was watching um, I was watching Maniac on Netflix and, yeah, like, fuck, it's not, I, okay, I didn't know what that show was when I went into it. I went in almost completely blind. Uh, you know, I knew Emma Stone was in it and Jonah Hill and Kerry Fukunaga directed it. That's all I knew. And it's still not the show I thought it would be. It's so <laughs> fucking weird. Um, but Justin Thoreau is all over that as a doctor. So he, again, tying into Mute where he was the doctor and that and the pedophile. And it's weird that these people just keep showing up in the same things. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, that all you got for uh, Hold the Dark then? Yeah, go watch it. It's really good. Oh, yeah. So, um, I guess let's stay with Incestual and uh, let's go with Flower. It's not... They're not blood-related. <laughs> Listen, it's real creepy vibes. What was the one we just watched that... Oh, fucking simple, simple favor. Like, as soon as he said, I love you, I was like, God damn it. The movie was pretty decent, and then, God damn it. Like, there's just... It's gross. But they were obviously building to that part, yeah, you know? Like... To be fair, yeah. To be fair, they were building to it. Um, I yeah, I think tonally the movie's just kind of all over the place, and that's the problem. Um, I had uh, how do I say it? I think that movie came out in 2017. I think it came out last year. Uh, um, I think it was two, I, 2016. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's 2017. But I had seen a trailer for it, and that's why I remembered it. And when I was like. Oh, flowers on Hulu. Let's watch that. I didn't remember anything about it, so like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, it's these girls trying to catch a pedophile." Sure, I remember now, and it looked like it was like a dark comedy, and it kind of goes there, and then it kind of just goes all over the place at points too. Holy and then shit! It, did I forget about how he died? <laughs> what the Eiffel Tower in the back? Yeah, like when it, when they moved him, I was like. I was like, oh, man, they just super roofied them. It's like, oh, shit. They really could. <laughs> well, because, like, well, you know, like, the rule of film and stuff, you know, Chekhov's gun, you don't show something and not use it. You know, they showed the Eiffel Tower on that table. So when, like, when they picked up and moved him, I was like, oh, I guess he didn't get stabbed like I thought he would. And they came back, I was like, oh, he did get stabbed. Got it. <laughs> but then it becomes that weird, like, Bonnie and Clyde and we're on the run thing and that was weird and it's weird that like Jake Johnson's picture is all over this film yet he doesn't show up at any point like that yeah. was weird yeah yeah. but that said like I like the, the kids you know like they yeah. give it's almost it reminds me of a not as good um, end of the fucking world Right, it's yeah. the two kids running off, and I feel like this it, is the. Um, wait, you liked End of the Fucking World better than this movie? Oh, for sure. Okay, because I like this better than I did that one. Oh, you're so, so wrong. Like, well, it feels like this is the little middle ground of where I really hated End of the Fucking World, and like this is just that condensed story, but it is all over the place. You're such a fool. I thought I was teaching you how to enjoy things, right? No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. Um, I know the fucking world is still terrible. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was good. Um, yeah, just, just... I thought it was very clever how they were going around and, like, the storytelling was really good for it. It's just that tonally is all over the place and it's kind of weird yeah it's just it it is it just doesn't cohese in any way it's just kind of kind of all over i you know you see it and you feel like they're trying to do something here or there but then they just kind of you know don't do it i don't know 
it's interesting. Uh, I don't I thought, hate uh, her watching. mom was done really well uh, for being a rather serious role. Um, yeah, for, um, but also like I will. No matter how many times it happens, I'll never get used to seeing fucking Tim and Eric and something, you know. Oh my god, yes. Yes. I was like, this first time he showed up, I was like, wait a minute. Isn't that Tim? It's the same as like when uh, whichever one it is, I, I could never tell him. I always can't keep him straight. Was that Tim or Eric? I don't know. But when the other one's like, Aziz's best friend and master of none. I mean, like, he's really good, but you're just like, I watched all that horse shit you put out on Adult Swim. You're weird. I don't like you. <laughs> it's fair and accurate. So, um, so if you have Hulu, check out Flower. It's, it's decent. You said it's better than the end of the fucking world, and I feel like you said people should watch that, so. I don't believe I did. I'm pretty sure I was adamant about don't watch that. But so wrong. Uh, killing me over it. So, um, from that, let's go into the fucking LSD trip that was Mandy. Chainsaw fights. Boom. Jesus, what a fucking wonderful, beautiful mess. <laughs> Nick okay, KG so I... as KGS. But but I don't feel like. You know, when people talk about, like, Nick Cage being Nick Cagey, they're talking about shit like The Wicker Man, and, you know, where you <laughs> Like, I actually think this, I, I think he's really good in this movie. Like, yeah, yeah. he does go over the top, but, like, you know, like, there's that scene where, um, when, uh, when he gets out of, like, the crucifix, and he goes inside, and sits on the toilet, and he's screaming and drinking the bottle of, whis- of gin, like, that's so well acted. Like, I know yeah. people are going to turn into a fucking gif and it's going to be a meme, but like, it's so well done. Like just the rage you feel coming off of him and the loss and oh, yeah. him. Like, it's so good. Um, and then, you know, like after he kills the fucking Hellraiser fucking the biker, fucking demon, <laughs> when he takes like their magic LSD goo. He basically becomes like fucking Jason for the second half of the movie. You know, he's just yeah, stalking. Like, I loved it that he was killing one and then take, like, essentially taking their power or whatever they were using and then just amping himself up even more. You know, like, in the whole second half of that movie, he basically becomes a slasher. You know, it's oh, just yeah. like him moving. And, like I said, chainsaw fight. <laughs> Dude, when the guy pulled out that giant chainsaw just the way it was shot, I fucking died laughing. Um, I love that he just poured a random axe in the middle of his fucking trailer for his house. Dude, I was so, like, like, if you want to talk, like, slow and stuff, like, this movie starts off kind of slow. You know, it's very methodical in the beginning. But then you reach a point where, like, Nick Cage is forging a battle axe to go fight demons. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm in. I'm all in on this. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the cult leader, that was fucking Bruce Wayne's dad from the Nolan movies. So that was kind of <laughs> weird. Totally makes sense, though. <laughs> I guess uh, originally, like, the director wanted Nick Cage to play the cult leader, and Cage fought to play Red. 
I think he, which I thought was smart. Well, um, yeah, it's just it's just this descent into hell. Uh, you know, oh, this yeah. man overcoming grief, and he just went down with him. But like, I feel like the director's not content with just doing a shot. He has to like the way everything's oversaturated and his use of colors and like. I'm sure if you actually sat down, I'm sure there's a color theme throughout the film. Like, the reds mean this, and blues mean that, and whatever. But, like, it's almost hypnotic just watching the color usage in it. Yeah, like, this just felt like a... Uh, I dare say 80s, like, just a uh, random action flick. But, like, it felt like that, but it was good acting as well from Cage. So it was just... Yeah. So good. Like, I don't know how to describe this movie. I mean, it's very simple, but, like, the descriptors do nothing for it, you know? Like, you're like, yeah, this cult leader has a thing for Nick Cage's wife and wants her, and it's a revenge flick after that. But, like, there's, like, people playing, like, ceremonial flutes to summon demons and feeding... (laughs) bullet-haired people to him. It's really fucking weird. It has... It almost has, like, that Evil Dead feel to it, except he's going after something rather than waiting for uh, an attack on the castle or some shit like that. And, like, if you do see it, like, just bear with it. It's slow at the beginning. Like, it takes its time. It breathes. But by the time, like, he forges a battle axe and goes (laughs) talks to fucking Will Nick on the trailer... And then all of a sudden he's like shoving cocaine in his face and doing Bruce Lee neck snaps and stuff, and it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, so that's Mandy. Go rent it on uh, video on demand like we did, or see it in theaters if you can. I imagine. You yeah, I heard. Awesome uh, theaters. I heard it's actually getting expanded. Like it was a very small theatrical release, but they're expanding it. So, like. If it comes close, I might go see it in theaters. Listen, if it does, I'm definitely going to see it in theaters. <laughs> like, it's really good. It's like, like, when I tell you that Nick Cage has a chainsaw fight with the demon guy in this movie, you're going to be like, I think I know what that movie is. And you're only half right. You're not quite there on what yep. this movie is. Yep. So good. So, um, going from there... Um, I, Tanya, I watched, you had watched it last year. Um, I want to do this just as a precursor before we get into the last one, but, um, I really enjoyed it. I really thought Margot Robbie was pretty ingenious in it. And it was a weird trip down memory lane because like I was eight when this all went down eight to 10. So like, I kind of. Like, I remember when she was on uh, TV and said she was going to kick Nancy Kerrigan's butt. Because that was oh, so yeah. risque for early 90s. And, like, I, re- you know, I remember the fucking, you know, Nancy Kerrigan grabbing her leg, screaming, why? You know, like, I remember that footage. Um, I think I was probably, like, six or seven when that happened. But yeah, so it yeah. was really good. I-, I didn't realize when a soldier was in it. Um, he did a great job. Uh, but the fucking, his friend that was in Black Klansman that I think was playing the same character <laughs> in both these movies. So, so wild. 
And to see uh, that footage at the end of the guy actually being like that is like, what a fucking world we live in. Yeah, I think um, I think it's okay. Um, I think probably Allison Janney is probably the best performance in it and deserved her Oscar for it. But like everyone else, like I feel they're not committing to the story, right? They, you know, what how you, there's no real unreliable narrator because yeah, because you know, Tanya will say. Yeah, but you know, like Tanya's like narrating it, and she's like, "He beat me," but then he starts narrating. And he's like, "No, I didn't." But then the film shows that it did happen, so like, it's really not picking a narrative. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know, like, it's one of those things where like they try and paint Tanya as a sympathetic figure, but like, she's still a piece of shit and did that, you know? Like, yeah, it, it was weird it's going weird, like, into this movie because knowing the setup for it like oh she was she just had all this bad luck and all this other stuff and it's like yeah but she was a bad fucking person like but i I believe her that she didn't have anything to knowledge about it but it sucks that her whole life was destroyed because her boyfriend enacted this whole plan but i mean it's it's very possible that she did have a hand in it but yeah. And then I'll just say the last thing on it is like, I think it's so weird that like they have fucking Sebastian Stan and Margot Robbie playing like 15 and 17 year olds. Like, <laughs> like I'm not saying like Mar- Margot Robbie looks old, but like, w- like at the end when they show that footage, like Tanya Harding was young, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's wild. Um, the only reason. I wanted to talk about Itanya is because um, the guy who directed this just picked up the uh, rights to direct the American version of our last film, Thelma. Which oh was, shit, I forgot about Thelma. <laughs> which was fucking awesome. Did you like it? I I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to sell it on you. I basically was like, it's a less violent raw and figured you this would get what I meant. This is the mutant movie that I wanted. <laughs> if that makes Fair. Sense. But like, um, just like uh, Hold On to the Dark, it, it it doesn't hold your hand. Like it kind of shows what's going on and you're left to figure it out. It's also, uh, it's Norwegian, right? Yeah. So um, you're reading subtitles, so you're probably not catching as much as you normally would. But I mean, she gets to college and you remember how the movie opens and it's so wild. It's like, oh yeah, she's she's maybe a really bad person. So, um, yeah. The movie, the movie as a whole just tricked me out and like the scene of her father in the lake, that was fucking wicked. So. Yeah, it's, uh, something no like i said it's uh i was thematically tying it into raw you know it's about a young woman who goes away to college and through her sexual awakening you know learns uh uh you know in this movie she gets you know her powers re-manifest where in raw it was cannibalism but you know there's thematic ties between the two um 
And in this film, I, I'm glad they didn't beat it over the head, you know, but, you know, she was raised very strict, you know, religious household. So the idea that she is, you know, she's gay is like too much for her. And it brings over ostensibly the psychosis in her. And then she's able to fucking kill people and stuff. So wicked. Um, there's some really awesome shots in this movie where uh, the glass and or the uh, hair in the glass, like all that shit that went down. Like, um, then you see what happened to her when she was young, and some of the same shit that was happening to her grandma. Like, I thought it did a great job of explaining everything without just hand holding me the whole way there. Yeah. Really great. I'm super excited about the American version of this now and see if uh, that <laughs> can capitalize on it. I don't know. I just think, you know, outside of it's not subtitled, I, I honestly don't think there's a reason for a remake. But Yeah, it's fair. But, I mean, you're not going to get American audiences to watch that if they got a wide release. So. I don't know. Like. We watched it. Other people can watch it. It's on Hulu. People want to watch it, they better go watch it. It's on Hulu. Watch it. Um, this is easily yeah, worth I, the month worth of watching it. I, I've got to say, at least the movies, it would throw a couple commercials in front of it. At least it wouldn't break up a movie um, with commercials. So. Yeah, I was really hoping, though, that um, at the end, you know, there's that part where uh, she swims down to the bottom of the lake and then she comes back up and she's in the pool and the uh, the romantic interest comes up, and you kind of see the birds start flying towards the window. I think that's where you should have cut it instead of like bringing. And I'm not really sure you get anything from that extra seven minutes out of it that you didn't that's get fair. from that ending. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I think that would have been the way I would have cut it too. I mean, I'm not disappointed by her giving her mom her legs back considering she just murdered her husband. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's is a weird ideas in it, but really well executed. So, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. So, then what are we watching for next week? Next week, uh, we got Venom. <laughs> Uh, we have a star is born. Right on. I don't know. Are you gonna brave the trek for Hellfest? We gonna make it a three uh, weekender? Yeah, I'll, I'll if I can't if it's not here in town, I'll definitely go drive an hour and see if I can't find it. Okay, so yeah, that'll be our you know it's October, man. That'll be our horror movie. I don't know. I'm I'm uh, actually pretty excited about Star is Born. Oh, I am too. Like, if you would have told me like. I would have been this hyped for a fucking Bradley Cooper directed remake of A Star Is Born, but like, damn it if I'm not. I really hate the whole country element, but I'm really fucking excited to hear Gaga and fucking Rocket sing together. Yeah, I'm super into that. Um, so yeah, we'll do Hellfest, Star Stars Born, Venom. And then uh, you chose the new TV series now that Twin Peaks is over. And we're going to start watching Hannibal. Uh, How many episodes do you want to do? What do we got per season? 
I think it's only like 10 or 12 episodes a season. You want to do four? Sure. We'll just kind of knock out the first quarter of the show. Yeah, that works. I don't think you're ready for this show. I'm I, just going to say that. You know what? I really don't think I am too, but I really think that's what's pushing us to expand me at least this year. So. Good. I'm down for it. So, cool. Uh, we'll let you know how that all goes next week. And um, Yeah, what else did you watch besides this week then? Was it just Maniac? Yeah, yeah, I watched like six episodes of Maniac. Uh-huh. And then maybe something else. I don't know. I always have something going in the background, you know. Something good. Yeah, we'll let you know. But I mean, these podcasts, you can jump around, so whatever. We'll catch you yeah. next week. Peace, pineapple, all that good stuff. <laughs>